Welcome to an audio newspaper full of very unserious, partially real stories that the world needs to hear. More listening and less reading than a newspaper, but equally as sexy. This is Paper News Out Loud. Hello and good evening. I'm your host, Diane Weathersby. Hello and good morning. I'm your co-host, Florence Strumsby. Thank you for listening to Paper News Out Loud. Just another manic Monday. Oh my gosh. Oh, she was Sunday. Ah! So today's Monday. Who knows what day it'll be when you listen to this? Well, but hopefully this- Tuesday. Was that a dig on my editing skills, <laughs> Florence? Because I have been weeks late before, just so you know. <laughs> Time and space is weird in the void, Diane. So I do suppose... you really ever know what day people listen to this? This would be a good chance for me to apologize for literally missing probably like a month. I think we, we missed like a month. I don't think it was like a full month. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it was a full month. I don't know. Because <laughs> we, we, missed, we missed a week. And then we recorded the next week, and then I took a week to edit it. (laughs) Well, so we really only missed one episode, which when you do one every two weeks, it's like a month. So I'm sorry. But it's fine. We're here. We all showed up. You know, I'm unemployed. I have excuses. Things like that. (laughs) I'm going to start crying. Can we get into the headline? Okay, let's just dive right in. No alligator tears here, Diane. dive right in. (laughs) Okay, do you ever just think something and then that thought is in your head and you don't know what to do with it because it lives there now? Yes. It moved in, lease. Move in date now. Location your brain. This happened to me today. So the next step was clearly Googling what crossed into my noggin and then sharing it with you, lovely people. Aren't you all lucky? Yes. Here's the thought. How do candy get their name? Okay, it sounds confusing, but hear me out. M&M's. Three Musketeers, Mounds. Like, who is thinking of these names and then is like, heck yeah, slap that on a wrapper. That'll definitely sell us some chocolate. Can I make some guesses? I'm going to try to make some predictions okay. and then we'll see if I'm right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, okay. okay. Santa's we elves. We don't talk about Mounds. <laughs> okay. Santa's <laughs> elves. Mm-hmm. Someone points to an encyclopedia or dictionary, which ever you prefer. They're exactly the same thing, so what difference does it make? They just point to random page See, or okay, I'm gonna disagree with nope, you on that same, point. Same exact thing. <laughs> or um someone shoots an arrow from across the room at a list of not a list, but letters on the wall, stranger things mm-hmm. style. And mm-hmm. you just start like closing your eyes and they it's like kinda like a party game where you spin them in a circle and then they play like pin the pin on the new name of our candy and then that's what they do. That is exactly what the marketing department at, like, Hershey's Chocolate looks like, so... Yeah, that's what they want you to think. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, that's... I'm fresh out of ideas, okay. so... I mean, check. you were close. <laughs> you were close. Okay. Okay, so the main name that stuck in my brain was M&M's, because M's have nothing to do with it unless the secret ingredient was the letter M the whole time, and all of life's, life is actually an episode of Sesame Street. Do we want to be putting M's into our body? I don't think so. Um, Now I might beg to differ. (laughs) Before we get started, Diane, what is your favorite kind of M&M? Obviously peanut butter. That's the only right answer, unless you're severely allergic. Um, Have you ever had the caramel ones? 
No, the caramel pretzel ones? No, they're just caramel. Just caramel? I don't think so. I think I had the pretzel ones. The Those pretzel are ones are okay. Because the pretzel's got to be just so tiny. The caramel ones are good. not as good as peanut butter, but... Mm. I mean, if in a pinch, I'll just take regular peanut, if there's no peanut butter available, because for some mm-hmm. reason there never is, no one ever thinks to get peanut butter M&M's, don't understand it, but... Mm-hmm. What? Well, oh, I'm sorry. Forgive my rudeness. <laughs> what is your favorite kind of M&M? I'm also peanut butter. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's I think a redundant question. With me on that one. That's true. Only okay. true believers. Unless, again, you were excused... If it would kill you, so yeah. <laughs> Every, oh, all you other non-allergic motherfuckers, with all you better shape up. <laughs> okay, <Anyway. laughs> really setting a good tone. <laughs> so, it, the mysterious M's in M and M's are actually the name of the um, founders, the M and M founders, Forrest Mars Senior oh, of the yeah. Mars Candy Company. And Bruce Murray, son of the Hershey president at the time, so the guy who owned Hershey, went into business together in the early 1940s. I always forget that the Mars company is, like, in charge of a bunch of candies that you won't realize, and they're, like, all connected. Yeah. The candy industry is, like, a monopoly. Yeah. Oh, Marsopoly. Did you get it? Did you see what I did there? Okay, but the two um, founders had one mission, which was to develop a hard-shelled candy with a chocolate (laughs) center. The hard shell would help um, slow the melting of the chocolate, which made it convenient to include in soldiers' rations in World War II. The two paired up, and henceforth, the little candy nuggets went by M&M for Mars and Murray. That's why they made Tootsie Rolls, too, because they were chocolates that wouldn't melt. And I'm pretty sure they sent those to soldiers, too. Yeah, World War II plays a big role in um, chocolate. Literally juice. everything. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it really uh, kind of shaped the world. <laughs> in a strange uh, way. We could, we could literally do an episode just on M&M's trivia, to be completely honest. Like, the original colors were red, yellow, brown, green, and violet. Violet. Is there even a violet M&M anymore? Isn't that just purple? Is there a purple M&M? I don't know. I think I'm thinking of Skittles. I don't think so. Dang it. Well, anyway. that's disappointing. Why would they discontinue purple m and I don't know. And I'm not sure if they actually discontinued it, or I just have no memory of eating a purple m and No, I, I think like... you'd remember eating a purple m and Well, mm-hmm. they have the purple pretzel ones, right? Yeah, or it's just like, the packaging purple. If you get the original m and just like straightforward m and nothing weird about them, um, yeah. I don't think there's purple in No, there. there's no purple. Hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. probably the dye open. was poisonous or something like that. <laughs> they probably, it was lead-based. <laughs> okay, so this is the history that the M&M Corporation wants you to believe. After scouring the dark web, aka the large menacing spider who literally weaves a dark web and also has an extensive <laughs> knowledge of the history of candy companies, we found something much, much darker. The masterminds behind the delicious and chocolatey M&M's are actually time travelers from the future who are trapped in our time and space. The double M's in the name of the candy are actually a secret code that they are trying to send out through all different dimensions, kind of like SOS. Now they sit, waiting for us mere mortals to eat the delicious candy until their people come and rescue them. Will we still have M&M's after they return to their own time? Only time will tell. Well, it kind of depends on which uh, reality you end up in. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. which which time stream you're on. Where the M&Ms add up. Yeah. On to the next one. Thank the you. good old Three Musketeers bar. Um, it's delicious and fluffy, and when I was young, I would always get it when we went to the bowling alley, so it reminds me of a bowling alley. But where did this bowling alley-flavored treat get its quirky name? This particular candy had a major transformation. When it was originally invented in 1932, there were actually three mini bars in each package. They were flavored chocolate, the flavor we're familiar with today, vanilla and strawberry. A totally unfamiliar flavor that we are not familiar with today. <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> what is vanilla? Um, Sorry. And strawberry nougat. Three flavors, three musketeers. But when did three become one? Lo and behold, once again, World War II had a big impact wow. on the candy making industry during the 1940s. Once the war started, the chocolate nougat was the only flavor the company produced since it was the most popular and since there were really strict um, rations out there for sugar and it was too pricey to produce all three. So now we just have the one large fluffy chocolatey bar. I think they might have a mint flavor, but I don't believe they have a vanilla or a strawberry out there at all. Yeah, they really don't do much like, um, oh god, what's the word? Like... Oh like my god. Special like, edition. Um I had it. It's gone now. They really don't do much like variation. Mm-mm. No, they really like, just stick to the three musketeers. Like they really put it all into marketing cuz they like make a lot of different commercials and ads mm-hmm. and stuff for it, but they never they don't really change the flavor that much. Mm-mm. Okay, but once again, this seemed too mundane to be true. So once again, we consulted the deep web for more information. It turns out the Three Musketeers candy bar dates back farther than 1932, all the way back to medieval times. This is when the candy bars were first invented and the people loved them. But with each passing year, the candy got stronger and stronger until each flavor had set out to destroy the other. They then entered into a multi-century battle trying to determine which flavor was the strongest and which flavor would rule them all. The battle finally came to an end in the 1940s when chocolate triumphed over the other flavors and claimed its throne as the best flavor of them all. I can't even imagine that strawberry had a fighting chance. No, there's no way strawberry nougat. What a joke. History is so interesting. (laughs) So interesting. So interesting. Oh my god, there's more. There's one more. There's more. So we will discuss the delicious... I foreshadowed this one. (laughs) The deliciously fruity Skittles. Who doesn't like munching on an entire fistful of these buggers? But where did they get their name? Full disclaimer, everyone seems a little fuzzy on the history of Skittles. How they got their name and where they came from. Something that a lot of people don't know is that Skittles were actually originally created by a now unknown British company who then sold the product to the Wrigley Company so they make like gum and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were originally invented by a British company, it is said that they were given their name after a disc-like object used in a game called Skittles, which was played in England, Scotland, and other European countries. The game Skittles involves throwing a rubber or wooden sphere, 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 at pins, like bowling. <laughs> so the theory is that why Skittles are named Skittles is because they look like the disc used to throw at the 
pins in the game Skittles, but that disc was actually called the cheese. So it's all very convoluted. Very confusing. And oddly enough, this is what the deep web said too. So honestly, it has to be real. Mm -hmm. I cannot see how it couldn't be false. How it you it couldn't was a be joke. False. <laughs> that was the comedy. <laughs> no, it hurts though. <laughs> Sometimes what you find in the deep web really does surprise you. <laughs> it sure does, Florence. But uh. I think this proves just how creative and insightful people in marketing can be. Go candy. Go candy. <laughs> that was good. So, all this talk of candy makes me really hungry, because all I eat is sugar all the time. Do you have any recommendations on what I can do to yeah. sate, this, <laughs> sate this sugar craving? Okay. In honor of the headline, which reflected on some of our most delicious and controversial recipes, aka candy, I thought it would be fun to whip up a tasty gourmet recipe at home that you can munch on whenever you need something sweet. Even better... It only has two major ingredients. Amazing. Okay, first things first, you'll want to grab two ice cube trays. Whoa. I bet you're thinking as you throw your hands up in the air, I know where this is going. You can't fool me, Florence. And wise listener, you are 100% correct. Take that ice cube tray and fill them cubes up about three quarters of the way full with room temperature water. It's important that the water is room temperature. It's also important that the room is 212 degrees Fahrenheit or 100 degrees Celsius so that the room is at the temperature to make the water boil. After you added the room temperature water to the ice cube tray, you can start adding your secret ingredients. This is where you really make the recipe your own. That's the nice thing about these ice cube treats. Whatever your dietary restrictions are, you can customize them for your needs. Are you gluten free? All you have to do is to not pour flour into the remaining quarter of the ice cube tray. It's simple. I personally enjoy adding essences to my ice cube treats. So here are some of my favorite recipes. Number one, quiet panic. This flavor combo is for when you feel like you should be stressed, but you just aren't stressed. Why aren't you stressed? Clearly there is something that you should be stressed about. If you were stressed, you'd feel better. Simply add a few drops of palm sweat and three or four light stress farts, and this tasty treat will send you into an emotional panic. So tasty. What is wrong with you? <laughs> All right, this one is called Wine Not. Now, like Quiet Panic, this is something you should uh, use when you're really stressed out. So what I like to do is once you fill your ice cube trays, you're going to take those same ice cube trays, walk over to the sink, and uh, slowly upturn them over the sink so all the water pours back out again. Then you're going to set the ice cube trays uh, right side up, so like bottom down, back on the counter. Then you're going to go in your fridge and you're going to open up a bottle of wine and you're going to take the bottle of wine out and you're going to fill up the ice cube trays. And I know what you're thinking, freeze those, exactly, freeze those and then take the remaining wine in the jug and slam it. I like how you have a jug of wine. Most people have bottles. Diane has a jug. <laughs> It's actually true. So then you slam the jug of wine, and then by the time you're finished chugging the wine, your ice cube, your wine cubes probably won't be frozen yet, so you can take those out of the freezer and then kind of pour the rest of it into your mouth. And those are the wine not cubes. I like it's a that. Delicious, tasty candy snack. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay, number three, for a full moon. Are you a rare breed of magical creature and you sometimes just lose control, wink wink? This is the recipe for you. In addition to the ice, you'll want to grind um, 
You'll want to grind up milk bones, the tasty dog treat, into a fine powder and sprinkle that inside. Then add some minced garlic. The milk bones will be getting you some necessary nutrients, nutrients, while the garlic will keep away any vampires, aka your arch enemies, away if you happen to cross, cross paths at night. Okay, this next one is called Natural 20. So what you're going to do is you're going to take um, a set of dice that you would typically use for a tabletop role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons. You're going to put one die in each ice cube tray. Then you're going to fill the remaining uh, ice cube holder spot with water and then you're going to freeze those. And then at your next D&D game session, so you need probably about one to two hundred um, of these. And then at your next D&D game, it's going to be really fun because in order to roll the dice, your players are going to have to melt them first. So then they put the dice in the, they put the whole ice cube in their mouth and then they let the ice melt and then they spit the die out on the table and that's what they roll. Are you allowed to melt the ice with your butt cheeks? Absolutely. Then you get advantage on all rolls um, with ice melted in your butt. I have a pretty hot ass, so... Oh, I'm aware. And lastly... (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) A classic flavor. Flower lemon mango power. Pour in the water and then add in edible flower petals. Sounds kind of hippy-dippy. Hold on, quick question. Aren't all flower petals edible? Not all flower petals are edible. Fun fact. But most. I think, because you can buy edible flower petals in the store. But. They have them at Woodman's. If I go outside and I just take a flower petal, I can probably eat it, right? Okay, no, because poinsettias are poisonous. Don't do that. If you're a cat. Um, and maybe if you're a small child. (laughs) If you have the mentality of a small child, it counts too. Okay, that's me. (laughs) Anyway, pour in the water. Add in the edible flower petals, a squeeze of lemon juice, and finely chopped mango. Add this little beauty to some lemonade or seltzer water for a truly refreshing treat. Like I said, this recipe is incredibly customizable. It's a fun way for you to try new flavors, textures, and most importantly, feelings. Try making it your own ice cube treat recipe and share your creations with us on Twitter. Bon Bon appetit! (laughs) Oh wait, okay, ready? Let's do it together. Three, two, one. Bon appetit! Bon appetit. <laughs> okay, moving on. One uh, more time. Three, two, one. Bon, bon appetit! <laughs> um, so I didn't uh, include this in our most recent correspondence, but I do have a classified. It was just posted today. Um, one very sad woman looking for a job, and um, <laughs> she has a bachelor's degree in education, mm-hmm. and... Uh, needs money. So if you have some like super cool job that's actually not related to teaching, I'm all ears. Um, And it's not for me, it's for the job posting. So please reply by um, sending me an email with the job description so I can pass it on to the person that posted it. Woodman's hires overnight. Stockers, $15.50 an hour. (laughs) Do you think overnight means I get to live there? Yes. <laughs> I feel very confident, actually. <laughs> Wait, I thought it wasn't you who posted this job posting, Diane. Sometimes I just slip in the first person, and I don't know why it happens. It's called empathy. <laughs> Learn something <laughs> about it. <laughs> just because you can't understand what other people are feeling doesn't mean I can't. Well, today, while searching through job posting after job posting <laughs> after job posting, still not about me, I came across one that looked promising. It was fulfilling... 
paid my desired salary, fit my qualifications, and had great benefits. I clicked on the link and a giant middle finger popped up on my screen, sending me back to square one of the job search. It also happened to download a virus, which caused my printer to print out this letter, leaving my job search status at ongoing. The letter read, Dear Florence and Diane, what's the easiest thing in the world? That's right, loving a puppy. I've researched it. It's nearly impossible to feel nothing when in the presence of such a cute face. Unfortunately, due to my programming, or uh, life experiences, I have yet to learn to love. I am getting a puppy soon, and I'm worried I won't be able to show it love and that it will be able to tell. Anything here will be helpful. Signed, Living Loveless. I've loved every puppy I've ever seen, so I've really taken for granted my innate ability to feel such great affection for these creatures. Instinctively, I know how to love a puppy, but could I just explain it? That's why we reached out to WikiHow to help us help you. Part of loving something is taking care of it. The things you love will need different kinds of care from you. You will love your friends through emotional and social support. Right, Florence? Right, Florence? Right. <laughs> thumbs up. The big double thumbs up. You will love your car by changing the oil and filling it with gas. You will love your family by being there in their time of need, listening to the same stories over and over again, and giving them honest, heartfelt advice. None of these types of love will ever compare to the love you will give a puppy. So the first thing you need to do when bringing your puppy into your home, or really any creature or any being of any kind, is to start by making them feel safe in your home. Uh, one of the ways you can do that with puppies and coincidentally with guests um, is to set up sleeping quarters by your bed. Mm -hmm. So puppies need to be close to you at all times, otherwise they start to feel sad and lonely and like they're abandoned and alone in the world and that nothing matters. Same thing with human Someone's house Someone's projecting guests. hard. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So you need to set up their sleeping quarters right next to yours. The closer, the better. Ideally, if your puppy sleeps in your bed with you, um, that's the best situation because then they can just roll over and lick your face and know that you're there. Um, if you have a king-size bed or a queen-size bed, you need to immediately throw that out and downgrade to a twin-size bed or even a crib for the two of you to sleep mm -hmm. in to make sure that you are as close as you can possibly get. Yeah. Puppies like to watch you sleep. I don't know if you've noticed or seen movies, but all they do is stare at you while you're sleeping. It helps them grow emotionally into dogs. The next thing you need to do to make your puppy feel safe in your home is to give your puppy creature comforts. Puppies are materialistic by nature. They love bling, they love things. So those creature comforts make your puppy feel protected. So when you're not around, when you're like at work or like doing your thing or whatever, they will take those creature comforts, kind of like the toys in Toy Story 2, and set them up like a tea party. And not even a tea party, more like a barrier between them and the world, and that helps make them feel safe. Like, especially cars, not only are they good barriers, but they're very materialistic. So mm -hmm. maybe buying your dog, like, two to three cars is a good way to start forming those important bonds. Anything less than a Lamborghini shows that you really don't love your puppy, and your puppy's going to be able to feel that by how much money you spend on mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Another thing that should be obvious, but again, you haven't had a puppy or have ever felt love in your entire life, so 
I'm going to touch on it quickly. Uh, do not put your puppy in the basement or garage for any amount of time whatsoever. If you need to go in your basement to get something, do not let your puppy go down there. If you need to go in your garage to get something, do not let your puppy go in there. There are things in your basement and the garage that will kill your puppy. Mm -hmm. And does your puppy feel safe if they're being murdered? I don't think so. Would you feel safe in either of those places if you were murdered? I don't, I didn't think so. I think a good way to look at it is if you would let your children go there, you probably don't want your puppy to go mm -hmm. there. Because you your children will kill your puppy. But the, yep, that's what I was thinking. Our advice, our question asker, um, has never loved. So they don't have children. So Touché. they don't understand child rearing. Anyway. Or puppy rearing. Or puppy rearing. Anyway, the next thing you need to do, so make sure, after you make sure your puppy feels safe and you've asked it several times, you've given it questionnaires, surveys, um, another great thing you can do to make your puppy feel safe is to fortify your house. So setting up siege towers, um, digging a moat by hand, uh, you can even help, let your puppy help out with that because they actually really like to dig, which is something not a lot of people know about puppies, but they really like to dig. So if you can help, let them help you dig that moat, um, put bars on your windows, put brick walls up basically everywhere where there's not a wall, just things like that to prevent anyone from ever getting in your home again or you getting out. After your puppy feels safe, you need to play with your puppy. You can take your puppy outside for walks. Puppies have a lot of energy, which may be another thing that you don't know, um, so you need to take it outside to exercise it so it doesn't take its energy and use it to murder you. Um, puppies have an innate bloodlust also, so they really you know, just gotta walk them a lot, otherwise they are going to turn to murder. And that is why um, when you see dogs walking, they're always on a leash. Uh, keep your puppy on a leash as well. Have you ever seen the movie Cujo or read the book Cujo? I've heard tell of Cujo. Yeah, pretty much that's why you don't want your puppy to yeah. ever develop a bloodlust so strong that they can't control it anymore. Basically, Take your puppies for walks. Every puppy is born as a Cujo, and mm -hmm. you just gotta walk it a lot to get those instincts out of it. Just walk the Cujo right out of it. <laughs> Never forget that puppies evolve from wolves, mm -hmm. which evolve from werewolves, which evolve from dire wolves. Which evolve so, from Satan. <laughs> so there's a long lineage of evil in puppies. You also need to play hide-and-seek with your puppy. This helps develop their um, hide-and-seek skills, really, and their problem-solving skills. The only thing that you have to remember when you're playing hide-and-seek with your puppy is that they have an edge because they can smell. I know you can smell, but not to the extent that puppies can smell. Smell. You need to start small and then make it more challenging. So for example, you can just start in your house. Remember the basement and the garage are off limits. Probably the bathroom too. You don't want them drinking out of the toilet. Um, but when you hide, they can smell you. And again, when they hide, you probably can't smell them, so it might be harder for you to find them. Um, just be aware of that. You need to build up the things more challenging. So first of all, you just start in your house, and then you move on to your neighborhood, um, mm -hmm. your entire city, the state, just what you can do to really practice hide and seek once they've gotten really good at it is you drive with your puppy somewhere you drop them off and then you tell them to count down from 30 and then you floor it 
go as fast as you can, as far away as you can, and then you hide, like, in a dumpster or something to help mask your scent and then see if your puppy can find you that way. <laughs> it really helps if you get kidnapped, because um, then mm-hmm. they can... Then they already know, yeah, they already know how to play hide and seek, so they'll come find you. Another way to exercise your puppy and to get them outside and moving around um, is to play fetch with them. So a key thing you need to remember about fetch is that you have to throw things and make your puppy get them. Do not throw your puppy. That's not how fetch works. Mm -mm. You have to, your puppy has to get the things. The things aren't going to get your puppy. Another thing that Unless you throw your puppy in the basement. Um, another thing is that your puppy is also the one that's fetching. Um, it's probably not going to throw for you. You could train it that way. That could be pretty fun. I just recommend doing that in the privacy of your own home because if you go out in the neighborhood and your puppy starts throwing six and you're running on all fours to pick up those six with your mouth, no one's going to take you seriously anymore and you're not going to get a job. You'll get kicked out of the homeowners association. <laughs> You'll get kicked out of the homeowners association and you won't have any friends anymore. Another thing you need to do is play tug of war with your puppy. Something about tug of war. So raising a puppy is really hard and I know you're trying to show it that you love it and these things show that you love your puppy because you're teaching it the ways of the world. Um, When you're playing tug of war with your puppy you cannot let your puppy win. You cannot. You have to win every time. If you don't think you can win don't start a game of tug of war because if it wins it will assert its dominance over you. And then what are you going to do? Then you're the one that has to go fetch. And can't and go you're the, the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> you're the puppy. What then? Then you can't go to work either. So once your puppy has mastered tug of war, which mastery means you tug for three hours and it ends in a draw, because remember, you can't let him win. Um, you can then read it The Art of War and then teach it actual combat strategies starting with ancient romans because if you do this thing right your puppy will lead armies and that's all any good puppy parent can want in this world something a lot of people forget about showing your puppy love and teaching it how to exist in the world is to teach your puppy tricks one of the most important things to teach your puppy is sleight of hand tricks oh yeah definitely card tricks pulling coins out from behind people's ears. Pony tricks. Pony tricks, stealing things from cash registers. Mm -hmm. Um, Puppies are really cute, so they are very good at the distraction part of the trick. They just need to hone that skill. So that talent is there, that raw talent, um, but you need to direct it in productive ways. Um, You can also have them jump through hoops, like literally jumping through hula hoops and metaphorically jumping through hoops. They're going to buy you so much chocolate that you don't even want. They, you won't even know what to do with yourself. Right? Because <laughs> they're jumping and they through can't hoops eat it. for your affection. Yeah. Another thing you can do uh, to play with your puppy is to create physical obstacles for your puppy to navigate. So you can create a massive obstacle course. So a really cool thing is like getting... Um, like setting up a minefield for your puppy outside to make it run through without um, activating the mines. Or, um, like, have you seen American Ninja Warrior? Mm-hmm. I have. I was also, yeah, yeah. Something like that, American mm-hmm. Dog Warrior. That should be your standard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is what you're trying to live up to when you're creating this obstacle course for your puppy. The bigger, the better, the more love that your puppy will feel. 
Um, so once your puppy has mastered all these physical obstacles, you need to move on to emotional ones. Put your puppy in really embarrassing situations. Um, talk to them about what happens after they die, how short their life is, how they're not going to accomplish anything that they want to, those kind of things. Really put your puppy through the ringer on those emotional obstacles and have them uh, break through them so they come out the other side stronger, hopefully. Um, and after all that, all that physical and emotional stress, you need to allow your puppy to rest. So your programming um, or life experience <laughs> may mean that you don't need to rest, but your puppy still does. So again, Organic let them... life form sleep. Yes, they still need to sleep. So, and puppies need to sleep a lot because they're still growing. They're not quite dogs yet. So again, like when you're in your crib, you may not need to sleep, but make sure your puppy cuddles up next to you and gets some good quality shut eye. Communicating with your puppy. So you've made it feel safe. You've learned the many, many ways to play it and educate it and teach it and make it grow. Now you need to be receptive to your puppy's body language. As Ursula said, body language. You need to listen to your puppy. What is your puppy trying to say to you? It probably doesn't speak your language. Maybe mm -hmm. your programming, I mean, life experience, has allowed you to read dog's thoughts, which would be pretty cool, and that should extend to puppies. Um, try to watch how your puppy uses their mouth. So what are they chewing on? Who are they talking to? What are they licking? All those kinds of things will give you Buttholes. insight will give you insight into your puppy's rich inner world. Pay attention to when your your puppy rolls on its back. This could mean just dozens of things. It could mean they have an itch. That's a pretty common one. I've seen Florence do this. Roll right on her back when she's mm -hmm. got the itchies. Just real itchy. <laughs> I have dry skin people. <laughs> could mean they want their belly scratched. Mm -hmm. Similar to Florence. She also does this. It's still the dry skin. <laughs> <laughs> so they might want belly rubs. Um, that could mean that might be why they're rolling on their back. It could mean that the Russians are launching another attack on our democracy. You really need to pay attention to that one. It can be tricky to interpret all these different behaviors, but um, it could be a threat to national security. So you really need to be listening to your puppy's body language. Um, lastly, if your puppy ever just stops playing, you need to figure out why. Maybe you're presenting the challenges. Um, they're too challenging, they're too difficult, too many physical obstacles, maybe you added too many emotional obstacles before they were ready. Yeah, maybe they didn't make it through the minefield and they're uh, not going to play anymore because they can't. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> anyway, um, so if your puppy just stops playing, you need to figure out why. Have you been um, walking your puppy for the last five days? Like I said, they need rest. So there's a lot of reasons that your puppy might stop playing. So just really learn to interpret those uh, situations and uh, respond to them appropriately. So if you work through these steps to take care of your puppy, because as we learned like 40,000 minutes ago when I first started talking, um, is that take loving something is really just taking care of it in different ways. And your puppy really can't take care of itself. It's just, there's puppies. They're dog they don't babies. Have a, they don't have thumbs. They don't have thumbs, and that makes life really difficult for them. And they don't, they aren't a recognized person species. So what you have to do is take care of your puppy, and that'll show them that you love them. So you're not living loveless. You'll be totally fine, and you'll totally be able to love this puppy, because you're going to see it when you go to the Humane Society to rescue it, 
and see its adorable little face, and then you're just gonna love it forever. Florence, can we just end this and go to the motivation station, please? Choo-choo! Great. Delicious, tasty treats are just so easy to eat and so tempting all the time. As much as we try to keep our bodies healthy by feeding it a variety of foods, like kale covered in Skittles, we sometimes slip up and eat something that makes our tummy ache. How do you handle times like that and push through to the other side? So this one really rings true to me because I treat my body like a living dumpster and just pound down junk food and overeat, even though I know it'll make me feel like death. What I like to do and what typically works for me is after I binge and feel like I'm going to explode, I'll lay in bed at the end of a long day of cramming unhealthy food into my body and just silently hate myself and think about how this is neg negatively affecting my body and that this amount of junk food will make me sick if I keep it up. Then I spend sleepless hours on Pinterest pinning exercise tips and healthy recipes swearing that I have to be better only to not be better the next day. It's a real up and down. So detoxes, have you heard, have become very popular in recent years. This is a process of getting the bad stuff out of your body by using food as a weapon. But what I like to do in times like this, when I have those bad tummy feels, is to retox. Instead of focusing on detoxing out the bad, I focus my energies on retoxing in the good. How does one accomplish such a thing? Well, for starters, just pounds and pounds of kale. You need to munch on it in its raw, leafy goodness to lay a good base down for the rest of the retox. You should eat enough kale in one sitting to sustain you for five to seven days. After those five to seven days are up and you've successfully digested your base of raw, leafy, good kale, you immediately need to flush it with water. So what you're going to do is you're going to sit in your chair and just drink gallon after gallon after gallon of water. And it's best if this chair that you choose to sit on is your toilet. It's going to eliminate a lot of walking and wasted time walking from um, your different chair to your toilet. Uh, and then after that, after, you know, 7 to 12 days, you should be feeling better after your tummy ache. And this is what I do every time. It's basically a cycle of me eating like a literal garbage can for a full 24 hours without sleep and then I have to do this retox and it's just every two weeks this happens just to me peeing. and it works every time it's it, I like it so uh do what makes you feel good <laughs> and kills cheap so <laughs> go wild okay <laughs> I heard a knocking on my door I opened it to find the cutest little puppy wanting to come in. I let them inside and we instantly bonded. That's a telltale sign that the podcast is coming to an end. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to what we had to say. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Paper News Out Loud for more great episodes. Or if you thought this was garbage, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks for showing up. We're drunk. Why did you listen to this podcast? <laughs> if you like what you heard a lot, leave us a review on iTunes saying what you liked. Please include a picture of a dog. If you're in love with what you heard, <laughs> how? Send in a request to a candy company requesting that they make Paper News Out Loud themed candy. I don't know what that means. Uh, please rate and subscribe on iTunes or don't or just wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. I want to thank puppies for their innate, innate adorable cuteness and also their innate and adorable evilness. 
I also want to thank Jake Harrison for his innate and adorable evilness, and mostly for allowing us to use his track titled 5 off of his album found on SoundCloud and Spotify. Thanks, Jake. You can find this music through the link or by searching at this. If you want to showcase community art on our show, please send it our way um, by emailing it to us at alternaterealityproductions at gmail.com. Or you can just email us to say hi. Or send us them puppies. Whatever. Those good puppies. Anyway, tweet us at realityoutloud. Use the hashtag thinkweirderthoughts and then actually begin to think weirder thoughts. Share with your friends. We hope you learned a thing and made a laugh. Well, that was a fun last episode. <laughs> that was just a real wild one. <laughs> that was real wild. That was, more, that was one of the funner ones. Yeah. For me, I would say all over the place. I would agree. <laughs>